0: This is episode number 11 of the Ask the Church Collective podcast. In this episode, myself and Chris talk with Keith Everett Smith and Tasha Layton-Smith about theology and worship, and um, if that scares you a little bit, that's good, because there's really some great stuff for you to learn in this episode, so we'll jump straight in with episode number 11 of the Ask the Church Collective podcast.
1: Well, um, my name's Keith, this is Tasha. Hi. (laughs) Um, You know, um, we're really excited to be on the podcast with you guys um, Talking about something we're kind of passionate about And that's the theology of corporate worship And I think the reason why I'm passionate about it Is because I didn't really understand it for a long time Uh, For a long time, church and worshiping as a body of believers just seemed like something kind of neat you did, um, but I didn't necessarily see um, the importance of doing it uh, together. I was like, I was just thinking, okay, this is—I'm going to bring my personal worship, uh, and I'm going to bring it into this room, and there's other people. Um, uh, but as I started to think about the why and just questioning the different parts of my faith, how to communicate things to the teams that I was involved in leading. I really wanted to understand this piece, and it really wasn't until I met Tasha that I really started to get a picture of the why behind corporate worship. And ever since then, I've just been kind of amazed at the depth and the symbolism and all the different kind of things that go into worshiping together um, as a body of believers.
2: I think my journey of sort of um, the why of corporate worship began probably at an early age. Um, I I grew up in church and, you know, worship or what I thought was worship, which was the music part of the service, um, which now I know is not um, solely the the worship of the church, but I just didn't understand why... I would walk in some churches and feel something very special during that time. And then other churches, I wouldn't feel that. And I didn't quite understand, you know, what the people's motivation was and um why they were different. And I think, you know, getting older and um, just doing my own research and going to school and seminary, I just really realized that, um it has to do with people's um education and what they what they know about worship and how their culture has been shaped by you know what their pastor and their worship leader are teaching from the platform
0: um when when do you think there started to be a shift in in churches kind of realizing that um
1: there's an importance in having theology and worship like like i remember maybe 15 years ago, where it was kind of um, not as present,
0: you know what I mean? It was more feel-good, and it seems like it has shifted, and and what do you think caused that?
1: I think it's as a result of doing it the other way. I think the self-centered approach to worship that says it's all about me, the consumeristic part of church as a whole, come see what Jesus can do for you. And, you know, on some levels, there's no other way to look at it. I mean, that is the gospel. He he says, here's, here's, here's your problem and here's how I solve it for you. And really, but the answer he gives is that it's not about you at all. It's about me. And a lot of the problem stems from too much focus on us and not enough glorification and, um, um, just honor given to Him. And so I think what has maybe started to turn things around is just that kind of icky feeling of being focused on yourself so much. And I think after a while, some of us have started to go, that can't be it. Something about this doesn't feel right. And so I think we've had a desire to turn our eyes towards Christ. Um, And even that's one of the great things about this corporate conversation is that even though worship is this conversation and part of that conversation is about um, him and 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 me, it's less about me and more about us. And I think that's really exciting that even the part that's aimed at us from him is not a self-centered thing. It's a, it's a corporate and it's about his covenant with us.
2: Yeah, and I, I think we're still talking about the church in America. Um, you know, you go to other countries and churches... You know, in Eastern cultures, are not nearly as individualistic or capitalistic as the church in America. So, you've got a whole another dynamic um, with the rise of, you know, mega churches and production and all of those things. There's a natural ebb and flow that happens with the church anyway. And um, as with everything, I mean, you think about the Renaissance and um, the Enlightenment period, and you know, we as a people. All across the world, we have an ebb and flow of kind of swinging the pendulum back and forth. And I think it just so happens that we're in a season right now in the church in America where I think um, people are becoming a bit disillusioned with mega churches and disillusioned with production. And they're um, somewhat gearing towards, you know, a more liturgical approach or um, something with a little bit more depth and i think um keith hit on something that that's really special worship is as individualistic as it is communal it is um or maybe i should say individual because the god of the universe cares about us so individually and yet our our worship is as communal and corporate as you can get and you know when god made his covenant with a people he he didn't make it with a person he made it with a people, and you know th- there were signs of that covenant that God made um, you know, with the Hebrew children, and that's the theological underpinning of of Judaism is that He made a covenant with a people. And I think um, even in you know throughout the Old Testament, it was noted if one person was missed in the assembly. It was noted um, you know, if they were all gathered together for worship and someone was missing. Um, so I, I think it's important as, as worship leaders and pastors and just um, leaders in our churches, lay leaders, to, to be a part of a movement that communicates something different um, than what has been there. And being okay with, all right, the pendulum has gone one way and that was needed for a time, but now it needs to swing the other way.
1: I think that's so cool. Like hearing all the theological points behind the the why we worship, and it answered so many questions for me about okay, this gathering we do, you know, on the weekend is so much deeper than I ever really thought it was, and it really made my personal worship come alive to um, recognize why I was meeting and why it was important that we do it together.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you know. One of the things that we can communicate to our people on a Sunday morning that helps them sort of get their eyes off of um, just their personal experience is just that worship is eternal. You know, worship has been going on in heaven before the foundations were laid. It it has been going on since, you know, the creation of the earth. It continued on throughout the old covenant and the new covenant, you know, the early church in Acts and it's going to be continuing on throughout all of eternity and i think to help our congregations realize that it only takes a brief moment in a service to reference that point that on a sunday morning or whenever you meet you know with fellow christians that you're you're joining millions of christians across the world and uniting in worship that's already happening. Whether we worship or not, worship is happening all the time. And so...
1: Yeah, we're joining in.
2: Yeah, we're joining in with what God is already doing across the whole planet. So, I mean, I think that grand perspective is something that helps people take their eyes off of, you know, maybe what they're going through in their personal experience and to know that they're part of something bigger than themselves.
0: Maybe take it to like a practical aspect for a week-to-week worship leader um, you mentioned like they could mention it here or there. Would you think they should start with their worship team? Is this something that the whole worship team needs to go through? Or is this something that the pastor and the worship leader need to talk through? I mean the answer is probably a little bit of all of it, but you got any advice for you know somebody at a church who wants to figure out you know first how to learn it for themselves and then how to help their team help their pastor get on board, help the whole congregation understand it.
1: Totally. And, um, yeah, it is a little bit of everything, but I, I think I would say, Tasha, would you agree? I think there is an order of which you approach it. Um, I think it starts with, it's kind of a top-down leadership kind of approach, um, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that a lot of conflict that happens between pastors and worship leaders comes as a result of the pastor not recognizing that he's the head worship leader. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so... um,
2: And the worship pastor realizing that the pastor is the head worship leader.
1: And so I think it's top down. I think it first starts with um, your own heart and coming to understand um, both your the importance of your participation in this corporate conversation and also your finite nature of your part in this conversation is both. It's, it's not, it's not just one. And so I think it starts personally. Um, and then it starts, uh, then, then, you bring it to your team. I think if you can teach your team that we're not up here just being, um, rock stars or being even good communicators of the gospel, we're, we're, we're here modeling worship, with our actions, modeling these scriptural, um, actions, um, you know, the, um, being on our knees, the lifting of our hands, all these things are, are biblical and symbolic.
2: Yeah. I think taking every opportunity because, you know, worship leaders, you only have, depending on your church, but you only have 20 minutes or so to, to really make an impact and create a whole culture and to. To cultivate that sort of atmosphere, um, it takes time. But if you're smart about it, you can, you know, set up a new song with a scripture reference. Um, or if you're trying to get your congregation to to clap, you know, <laughs> clap your hands, all you people. Like, take a moment to to instruct them and have a teaching moment. But also just constantly referencing the fact that. Um, That worship is corporate. And, you know, as a worship leader, you've got to have one ear to the Lord and one eye to the congregation. And if you're, you know, singing songs or doing something from the platform that's not connecting everyone in the room, then you've got to address that. And I, I think when you do that, you give. Value to the corporate nature of worship, and everyone else in the room who might be further along in their journey in worship, you know, they recognize that too. That in that moment, you even though a lot of people in the room are worshiping, that you're not all going there together. And you know, if if we as the church, as Christians, are you know, a microcosm of God, we're created in His image, then you know, God could have chosen to be alone, but He didn't. It said He's Father, Son, Spirit. He's three in one. He's in relationship with Himself. And so that means, you know, we're in relationship to one another too. And if if we lose that relationship, then we've kind of lost it all. We've lost the whole point um, because we're supposed to be one body. That, that word corporate comes from a Latin word that, that means the whole body. And so if we lose that, then we're not going to get from worship everything that we could. Not that it's about getting, but that is um, a result of of giving that adoration to God. You, you can't be in the presence of the Lord and not be changed truly. And so um, there will be a give and take. And worship is a relationship, and it's a conversation. And if you're not creating avenues in your worship set for people to to take a moment to respond and to listen to the Lord, then that doesn't feel like a relationship. A healthy relationship isn't all one-sided. It's it's two people sharing together. Um, so I, I think all of those things, uh, it kind of sounds a little scattered in my mind to to speak of it this way, but all of those things really help cultivate a culture where people appreciate the fact that they are, not just individuals connecting with God vertically, but they're also connecting horizontally with each other. Because, you know, the first several commandments um, in the Old Testament are are vertical commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and, um, you know, all those things. But then the rest of the commandments are, are horizontal. And God even takes more time explaining the horizontal commandments than he does the vertical commandments. So it just reiterates the importance of everyone coming together as a whole and not just, you know, one piece there, one piece there, one piece there. A body doesn't work if you've got a hand and a leg, you know, separated um, halfway across the room and never the twain meet, you know, so, um, so yeah.
1: And I, I think the key to communicating it to whoever you communicate it to is to be repetitive. Um, to be clear and concise and repetitive. The best leaders are so repetitive. Um, I spent a time at Saddleback Church uh, with Rick Warren, and um, I also spent time at Liberty University around um, Jerry Falwell uh, before he passed. And um, whatever you might think about these leaders, um, they were repetitive. And you could walk in— um, one time and hear the mission of the ch- church hear what it 's about and I think we as leaders and worship leaders have to put on that same kind of um, repetition in order that our core values are are spoken and communicated well and often um, and if we do that i mean i've thought you know i 've thought before, man, the worship leader wants us all to to kind of clap along or you know raise our hands and model worship and there was a time I was like Is that just a cool way we communicate? Is that just a cultural thing or does it actually have meaning? And um, our teams have the ability to take on your message and take take on um, communicating with you the idea of what worship is all about. And if you communicate it and communicate it often, they can repeat it back to you and they know how to communicate it uh, for themselves and I think that's when it becomes multiplication of the message, not just addition.
0: Sure. Um maybe get a little granular with it. I'm kinda like thinking through like there are those those worship leader phrases and I, I'm thinking like in my own church, we're we're constantly going back and forth, like we we record our service and then play it back for ourselves to kind of just get an idea on what we did and what we said. And the big thing that's been on our radar is a lot of like the worship leader phrases, like "somebody lift up a shout of praise" or "let everybody clap your hands." Like we say these things, and a lot of times it's like, "Well, we didn't really say why we're supposed to do that." Um, Could you maybe give a why for "I'm clapping your hands"? Like, where is that in the Bible?
2: A lot of the instructions on worship are in the Psalms, and I mean, I can't think of a. I can look it up really quick, but. Sure. You know the reference for clapping your hands is clap your hands, all you people, um, lift up a shout of praise, and the the difference would be to give the scripture along with that phrase it's like a it's like a cliche thing where people hear it and you know we yep. we don't even remember where it came from it's like, it's like you know when denominations start and they're founded upon certain principles and they do things a certain way because they have reasons for them but then you know 3 or 4 generations pass and the people who are worshiping that in that denomination have no idea why they're why they're doing the things that they're doing and so all the more reason to stay scripturally based. You know, you can... um, I, I read this amazing book by Constance Cherry. It's called The Worship Architect. And she talks about in that book how, you know, architecturally speaking, if the foundation is secure, you can tear down whatever is on top of that foundation at any point and rebuild something different. But... The foundation has to stay the same. And she talks about how scripture in worship is our foundation and how, you know, style is just, that's the container, but the content is scripture. And styles can change um, all the time and constantly, but the scripture has to stay, that container, um, I mean, the content has to stay the same. And so I think in those moments, it's just really important to Always go back to Scripture. Always go back to what does God said about this, and um, how does He want to be worshipped? It's like the five love languages, you know. And when you're in a relationship, um, you want to give a person love in the way that they understand it, and it's it's not about um, you know just doing something. It's like the five love languages. When, um, when two people are in relationship, you want to try to love the other the way that they understand and receive love best. And God has given us a pattern throughout Scripture of how He receives love. And it's, you know, we do certain things in church not because it is rote religion or not because it's um, it's just what everybody else has done before us, but it's how scripture instructs us to love him and to worship him. And so I think bringing it back to scripture in a worship service and saying, this is why we kneel. This is why we shout. This is why we are quiet. This is why we meditate. This is why we do the things that we do, you know, as a generation of Either X or Millennials, we want to know the why. We want to. We don't want someone to just tell us what to do. We want to know why we're doing it.
1: You know, the way I tend to look at these things that happen in Scripture um, while worshiping, um, you know, I don't. One thing I really like about the way the pendulum is. Is swinging in, in church or for, for young people as they're asking the why. Um, kind of what Tasha's saying, it's not that you have to worship with these actions, but it's almost a privilege to. Um, I think uh, I really enjoy the idea of connecting myself to generations long ago, you know, that there's this lineage of Christians and of worshiping our creator. And anytime I feel like I can connect myself to those past generations to learn their language, to um, worship the way they worshiped with similar phrases or with similar actions, I don't think of that as ritualistic. I try to remember it as this is a way that I can communicate in the way my ancestors communicate, uh, you know, the way the Christians who have come before I, I, and for me, maybe it's just a neat way to kind of uh, approach it that, um, when I do this thing, I really am joining in this thing, this giant thing. And I think that, um, the church of the past generation, um, we made Christianity and Jesus really applicable to our lives. Jesus is in the thick of it with us. He's doing life with us. God can be in your finances. God can God can intersect your children's lives. And that's true. And that's always applicable. Um, but that generation of churches um, didn't do as much to reach their arm out to our heritage and to understand where we've come from. And I, I really like that I see that trend in, in worship today.
0: Our audience tends to be much younger, um, kind of just getting into worship ministry or maybe even like, not like they're just like a volunteer guitarist and they feel like they maybe want to be a worship leader or something like that. So I'm trying to think like, is there any way we can point this? Like, here's your next, like, here's what you need to do, you know, even down to the fact that like most worship leaders, I mean, most Christians really don't read their Bible that much, you know? So just Mm kind of how, how -hmm. can we, how can we speak into,
1: I can speak to that. Um, you know, let's say we dig into the real applicable, hey, if you need a step-by-step process of them, some things you can do in your church to help move this idea of communicating corporate worship to you and your team, um, one thing I would start with is to start to recognize where you're assuming things, um, especially when we communicate that we don't just use these churchy phrases like you said. Maybe they're important. Maybe we do want to utilize them, but we take off the idea that everyone knows what they mean. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we want to put on some of these um, phrases that are important to our Christian faith, um, but we stop to tell people um, what they are. We start to instruct them uh, what matters about them.
2: You know, when I was 16, I I went on a missions trip to the UK, and um, we were ministering to a lot of people who, um, you know, English was their maybe fourth language. And we were answering a lot of questions about God and theology. And, you know, if you've never tried, it's tough to explain the Trinity in 10 English words or less. (laughs) It's... um. That's really tough, and I think since that experience, where I was having to um, take pretty complex Christian concepts and communicate them to someone who didn't understand all of um, the language that I spoke on a regular basis, ever since then, I have approached church and worship in a different way and Anytime I walk into a church now, I I really think, okay, if someone off the street came into this room, would they understand any of what we're talking about? Like, we use so many phrases like, you know, we're covered in the blood or, um, you know, give the Lord a shout of praise, like you said. And, you know, I think it's just really important to explain why we're doing what we're doing, and I, I even
1: think, the phrase "Amen."
2: Amen. What is that? "Amen"? Uh, what does that even mean? And I think the best way to to help people who are just starting to lead worship and um, cultivate those kinds of things in their congregations is just to read through the Psalms. Um, scripturally, you know, there's so much about worship from front to back. Um, in the Bible. However, if if you kind of really want to crash course, I mean, the Psalms has it all. It's it's raw emotion. Um, you know, in the New Testament, it says, when you come together, sing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And there's an example of, you know, a lot of that in, in what David writes in the Psalms. And so, you know, when I first started as a worship leader, I I would pray throughout the week for the Lord to give me whatever scripture or whatever kind of now word um, that He wanted to say to whatever group I was leading, and I would write it on a note card. And when I got up there, um, whether it was a scripture or a phrase or um, whatever it you know, was, I would get up there, and in in the moment where I knew, okay... God, you want to say this to this this people? Um, I already had that planned out, and you know that's not to say that the Holy Spirit didn't inspire that moment. Because who's to say when the Holy Spirit inspires? He inspires in our planning too. But he would always give me creative ways to work that into um, into the into the set.
1: So you're saying. Um ask the Holy Spirit for phrases and things that He might want to share with them and write them down ahead of time and have them available?
2: absolutely. And, you know, that doesn't take any of the spontaneity or inspiration of that moment of worship away. In fact, I think God can really use um, our preparation and our planning, and He'll always give a creative way to kind of stick it in there. But that also helps you ensure that you're not missing anything um especially if you're just starting out and you're kind of in the moment you're thinking about the music you're thinking about the lyrics or pro presenter or the lights or everything that kind of goes on um and that little note card or whatever that is that you've prepared it it helps you in that moment to not get distracted to keep the main thing the main thing um you know because when you hear the guitar player playing something crazy um that maybe you didn't go over and sound check or whatever. Like, if you get distracted in the set, like, sometimes that can be a distraction from what maybe God wanted to say to the congregation. But if you've got that planned out already, you have it at your disposal to utilize.
1: You know, um, another practical thing that I've done in the past for my teams is to instill in them what their job really is, you know, and that's to be worship leaders, um, spiritually, um, and musicians second, you know, the musical side is the language, the English language. Um, um, but, and we use that to communicate. Um, and so one thing I would do, um, often for our team is I would say, Hey, you're worship leaders all the time. On and off stage, mm-hmm. and we're really wanting to see the Lord do a, a something amazing in our church. We feel like God is up to something, and maybe you have a word for what you believe God um, is doing in your in your church, and you feel like you could share that, or perhaps the pastor has shared something with you. I feel like we're going here for you to instill that message in your in your team, and then tell them. I've told teams before: your worship leaders. When you're sitting in the congregation, like, you know, lead, lead from, from the floor, you know, be a worshiper, you know, um, how inconsistent might we look if we're super passionate and have our hands raised on stage and never do that, um, you know, in the room when we're just attending church. Um, so I've, I've done that before. Hey, let's be a group of twenty five worship leaders in the room, not just the people on stage and I think if you want to kind of multiply the message of why corporate worship is important that's a really good way to do it
2: I think emphasizing the the corporate nature of your team um, you know when you've got a production meeting or prayer before the service, noticing if one of your team members isn't there like if you're sound person is over there trying to work something out, um, see if you can help them so that they can come to that prayer time so that there's, there's unity on your team. And it's not just the musicians or singers who are, um, kind of doing it all, but it's everyone together, not one person missing. Um, I think that's really important.
1: You know, for, for each person's individual understanding of corporate worship and who we are in Christ, I think nothing in this world that we know is not spiritual. You know, it's, it was all created by God. And what I've really noticed, and, and that everyone here can notice, if you look around and notice all of the parallels to the way our lives work, in this natural life, you can oftentimes reverse engineer those things back to God and back to the Trinity and back to, um, you know, I I think of, I I look at the family. I look at the way we are, you know, your grandparents, your parents, you, your children. Um, Notice how things in the family start to get weird when one person gets real selfish or makes it all about them. All of a sudden, you feel this like turmoil, and stuff starts to go awry. Um, you can see how important it is that we act like a family, that we see each other as valuable. Um, you can look at—I
2: think that starts with your own self-image too. I think you know people um, often can't appreciate one another because they don't have a good sense of self and. They don't believe that God truly loves them, so they have a hard time loving and being there for the people around them and their team and their church. And I think the biggest shift that happened in my life was, you know, after many many hours of therapy and counseling, um, seeing and realizing how God felt about me and what I meant to Him that caused me to look at everyone else in a different light. And so when I'm leading worship now and someone on the team doesn't seem engaged, um, and it's not just about raising your hands or shouting because, you know, that that doesn't mean that someone's heart and mind are engaged just because their physical body is engaged. But um, if they don't seem engaged overall, I notice it because I care about them in a different way now because I am more aware of myself and so I think it's important for pastors and worship leaders to have a good sense of self and and realize their worth and value to the father and um, that they matter to the father's heart and when that occurs you see the teams you're leading differently that they're not just fulfilling a role um, they're people and you know we say this all the time. You know, I don't remember who said this, but um, it's important to use tasks to get people done, not use people to get tasks done. And I think as a leader, um, when you focus on using the tasks to get people done instead of the other way around, um, they sense their worth, and you show value to them um, by treating them that way. And I think that's one... You know, other way that we can emphasize the corporate nature of worship—that we are in this together, that we're a team. Um, it's not communism. <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, it's it's not an extreme like we lose ourselves. Um, you know, the the Father, Son, and Spirit are each distinct persons of the Trinity. They're not. They don't lose their identity by being one. And I think it's important for the church to realize that we don't lose our identity by unifying with the people around us. That's when the magic happens. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2. It says they were all gathered together in one room and you know the sound of a mighty rushing wind came as they were unified and the Holy Spirit um, gave them courage and boldness to share the gospel and, and things happened because they were unified. That didn't mean that Peter didn't get up and still preach because he was called to preach. It was Peter's message that he was sharing. It was what God had deposited in him. So it was still you know, his individual character that was being used, but he was unified with the other disciples, I think, or apostles. I think that's um, really special.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. As always, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us become more visible over there for more leaders. And please head over to the site. Hit that contact button. We want to connect with you, and we want to connect you with others. God bless today.